We, as in America, are a nation of political will. Let me repeat that for you. We, as in America, are a nation of political will. Hello and welcome to the Pat Oni Show right here on Mojo Five O. I am your host, Pat Oni. And yes... I firmly believe the statement that I just made that we are a nation of political will and we always have we always have been and we likely always will be. The reason why I say this is if you take a look at today's news. Just just take a look at today's news. Look at today's politics. Look at what we call law and order and how much we even disagree on that and what we follow and don't follow as American citizens. We are a nation of political will. Case in point, the Derek Chauvin sentencing that happened yesterday. Now, I wasn't in the courtroom. I wasn't part of the jury. I don't know that I would have found Derek Chauvin guilty. I don't know if I would have given him the sentence that, that he was given. I, I don't know. What I do know is this. Was Derek Chauvin not a good guy? No, he was not. He was not not a good guy, and he, he I don't likely was not a good officer. And I, and I think uh, Dominic Izzo of the Ransom Izzo would probably agree with that. No, I'm not a police officer. I don't know what, what these guys go through day in and day out. I don't necessarily know what constitutes a good police officer other than what limited interactions I've had with them over the years. What 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 is defined as good police work anymore? I, I mean, I would hope that it would be something along the lines of stopping crime, um, serving the public and doing so that that gardeners trust with the public. Derek Chauvin very clearly was not that guy. But, but, neither was George Floyd. That is something I have seen um, on the social media a lot. Is I actually read the other day someone was was cheering when Derek Chauvin was convicted because they felt like justice had been done. Has it? Has it been done? Do we know that? Because I don't. Again, I wasn't in the courtroom. I wasn't on the jury. I don't know what they saw. I do think that there were some things that were messed up about this trial that should have never happened. Like, I don't know, not having the jury sequestered. That that doesn't seem logical to me on why the jury was not sequestered when they should have been. Because you want an unbiased 
trial. You want an unbiased jury. So why they weren't sequestered, I don't know. Also, the the individual that, that filmed the um, takedown of George Floyd and what Derek Chauvin did um, pleaded the fifth and, and <laughs> didn't testify. So, which, here, here's the thing, you have the right to face your accuser, and while there was video evidence, there was body cam evidence, I mean, there was certainly things that came out in the case that I would have thought was reasonable doubt. Now, again, I'm going to say this again and again, just so that we're 100% clear on this. I'm not saying that Derek Chauvin wasn't guilty. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not suggesting that in any way. All I'm suggesting here is that we are a nation of political will, and political will very clearly played out in the Derek Chauvin trial and in the case of George Floyd. Because if we look at the real raw facts of this, George Floyd was not a good guy either. If we're truly going to be intellectually honest, if we're going to truly be critical thinkers, isn't it possible that both these men were bad? Well, yeah. Uh, George Floyd had a rap sheet. He had a warrant out for his arrest. Um, knife to, to, to girlfriend's belly at one point, if I remember correctly. Uh, and so... He had a rap sheet. He was not a good guy. And then he was hopped up on fentanyl, which likely, likely contributed, if not was the factor, to George Floyd's death. Because there's been plenty of experimentation done to say, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe Derek Chauvin's knee on the throat while it was not a good tactic and while it maybe looked bad, probably wouldn't have killed George Floyd at all probably didn't have the effect that many have claimed that it had now in this case did it i i don't know i don't know so i can't say that the derek chauvin isn't guilty i can't say that but i do have a question here because derek chauvin was was sentenced to 22 and a half years in other words, 270 months behind bars for the second-degree murder of George Floyd. Twenty-two and a half years for second-degree murder. Hmm. I, I don't know if that's just, and I'll tell you why. They were he they were he was facing up to 40 years. In prison. Uh, the prosecution was asking for 30. His defense was asking for probation and time served. So, the typical sentencing for a case like this, especially with someone that does not have a criminal history, was 11 to 12 years for this sort of thing. He got 22 and a half. Now, the judge cited that this was a special circumstance and that, that the whole world was watching. Um, 
my case in point right there is that this was a political will move. The jury, I think, decided what they decided because, A, they weren't sequestered. Who's to say that uh, none of them weren't facing any outside pressure to, uh, if anything, of short of a conviction? Who's to say the judge wasn't uh, being pressured in any shape or form? There, were, there have been protests that have gone on in the wake of this. There were protests going on in the wake of George Floyd's death. If this doesn't scream that we are a nation of political will, I, I don't know what does. Because is what happened to Derek Chauvin just? Is what happened to George Floyd just? I think we can all agree, no, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't just. That doesn't mean that George Floyd shouldn't have been arrested. It doesn't mean that he shouldn't have gone to jail. Honestly, I think probably the the most just thing that probably could have happened here is George Floyd survives, and he and Tarek Chauvin share a jail cell, metaphorically speaking. But for what? At that point, like what 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 would what have Derek Chauvin been charged for, and what would he have gone to jail for? But that's neither here nor there for this. There's been accusations that the court um, violated its constitutional uh, Chauvin's constitutional rights of due process to a fair trial, um, and that uh, they also argued that Chauvin's rights um, by not ordering Morris Hall. That was the man with Floyd before, in the car before Floyd's death, to testify that the trial or to submit into evidence his statement to law enforcement regarding his interaction with Floyd. According to the New York Times, Hall invoked the Fifth Amendment. So this is the guy I was talking about earlier. I had, not the camera guy. It was this guy. Um, according to the New York Times, Hall invoked the Fifth Amendment during the trial after his lawyer argued that Hall's testimony could expose him to drug-related charges. So, we're missing testimony in this trial. I would argue that we're missing evidence in this trial, if that's the case. Because had these things actually been admitted, had they actually played out in the course of the trial, what would the outcome have been for Derek Chauvin? Would he have still gone to jail? Maybe. Should he still be going to jail? Probably. But what I'm what I'm ultimately trying to highlight here is is what is what is justice here? Can we define what justice would look like in this situation? Because I can tell you this, after having watched what happened last summer, if they didn't convict Derek Chauvin and he didn't get the sentence that he got, what would be happening right now? Would there be more riots? Would there be more innocent people suffering because of others' inability to control themselves and to seek true justice 
for what happened to George Floyd? Would we see more rioting and burning down of, of businesses and homes? Would we see more of that? I, I think we would. And that isn't justice either. What happened to everyone last year that, that lost their business, their livelihood, um, their their ability to be able to provide for their families because people rioted, looted, and burned crap to the ground because a cop did a bad thing to who happened to be a black guy. That's not justice either. Word, words, where is the justice for those people? So this, this trial isn't about the rule of law. It's not about justice. It is about political will. And if anything that, that this has shown us is that local elections especially matter. Because had people gotten involved in their local elections in the Minneapolis area, how much would that have changed the outcome of this trial? Hopefully, to some degree. Again, I'm not saying that Derek Chauvin didn't do anything wrong. He clearly did. I'm not saying that he doesn't even belong in jail. I think he does. But 22 and a half years? For something that, well, looks to me, looks like he didn't even mean to kill if he actually killed George Floyd. To, to me, it was always manslaughter at best. At best. I don't believe it was an, it, there was any kind of intention involved. I think it was a cop doing his job, doing it poorly. In my mind, again, I can't I can't speak to the authority of a police officer because I'm not one. I can't speak to the authority of what cops should or shouldn't do because I'm, I'm not well versed on that side of it. Again, Rance Avizzo, uh, listen to Dominic Izzo. He is a former police officer. He could he could tell you better than I could on this. My argument here is simply this. We are a nation of political will. This trial was all about political will. And to prove my point, um, I have a quote here from a Vox article. But before I get into that, let me tell you a little bit about American Pride Roasters. American Pride Roasters is the official coffee of the Mojo Five O Network. Um, they have all sorts of different flavors, blends. Um, they were doing the dad joke blend for Room 13 um, for Father's Day. Um, I don't know if they're still doing that or not, but if they are, I, I would highly recommend checking them out. I also recommend checking out Room 13 as well. Um, they are a fantastic show. And if you're looking for something on the Mojo 5 network that is not about COVID, not about politics, I highly, highly, highly recommend Room 13 because they're funny. Um, they talk about life, they talk about all the funny stuff that happens in life, and they just have some fun while they're doing it. So, highly recommend checking out Room 13, just like I recommend checking out American Pride Roasters uh, by going to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Again, they are the official coffee of the Mojo Five O Network. Um, they've got all sorts of different flavors there. Um, Andrew Coppins loves the uh, Burl Hamilton, which is the blueberry flavor. Um, he also really likes the Reagan. 
Um, I know other people like different flavors, and there's other shows on there that have um, their own names too, like Izzo's Rage, uh, Ron's Sexual Chocolate, uh, you got Doc's Bacon Blast. I, I am, however, a little disturbed that um, I have been on the Mojo Five O network for a little over two years now, and I'm still waiting for American Pride Roasters to give me my own coffee blend, my own flavor. I don't. I don't necessarily know what the title would be. We 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 could talk about that. And unfortunately, I don't drink coffee because of my religious faith. But that doesn't mean I don't support DM and I don't support American Pride Roasters and all that they do and all that they stand for and all of the wonderful goodness that they bring the rest of you. Simply just go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. That is AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Okay. My point here, um, going back to the the Derek Chauvin um, case, is that this is a this whole thing was a a form of political will. That is my ultimate argument here. Um, however, According to this article in Vox, the deaths kept national attention on Minneapolis ahead of Chauvin's sentencing, strengthening distrust in law enforcement and demonstrating how one conviction does not solve police violence. In the past 10 years, Minneapolis has tried many police reforms, including adopting body cameras, rolling out racial bias training, and changing use of force of guidelines. With little success in eliminating police violence, as Vox Sean Collins reported, after Floyd's death, the city the city's officers had new protocols to follow, like having to explain why they drew their weapons, banning chokeholds, limiting no knockout warrants, and barring firing at moving vehicles. But activists say the reforms didn't address the root of the cause of police violence. Instead, activists continue to work to inform the community about police violence and are taking steps to amend the city charter to cut police budget and redirect the funds to mental health services, violence, and, uh, and education after the city council failed to do so after Floyd's death. A poll conducted in April 2020, uh, two months after the height of the protests, found that the majority of Minneapolis residents, 73%, were in support of defunding the police. So what I'm getting at is that what has been done in the case of George Floyd and what has happened after George George Floyd and what has even happened with Derek Chauvin's sentencing, for many, it's not enough. Case in point, the length of a prison sentence has never been the definition of justice for us. Justice would have meant that George Floyd would still be alive today. Justice would mean that our systems seek to address the issues of violence systematically, not showcasing a bad apple here or there to take the fall. The policy research coordinator of the movement for Black Lives Lives. Uh, Justice requires true commitment to changing the system that have harmed so many communities. We cannot lose sight of that vision, even the face of a long prison sentence for Chauvin. 
look, I'm not saying that there aren't things that need to change. And I'm not even saying that there aren't things that we can't approve on in terms of how we police people. I absolutely think that's true. Andrew Coppins and I have talked about that at times on critical thinking right here on this network as well. Um, we've talked about that. We've talked about things that we don't like that the police do that they shouldn't be able to do, like uh, um, un, uh, qualified immunity. Uh, we don't, neither one of us like that. Um, you know, how you know, the idea of just you know having a simple warrant to to uh, you know enter a home, uh, you know like like in it, just the way that they use different tactics and and making arrests and what they can and can't arrest for, um, because there's lots and lots of stuff out there that are stupid stupid laws in the first place that should have never been. So. Are there things that can change? Sure. Are there things that, that, you know, we should be able to do to protect ourselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are all police good? No. Of course not. Are they generally? I believe so. And I believe they're just out there trying to do their job, trying to do something that they believe in, and trying to protect their communities. Generally speaking. But if I'm being intellectually honest and I'm looking at this case, there's no way, there is no way that I can say that this wasn't about political will. That the outcome that we have seen from this case, the sentencing, there is no way, no way that this wasn't about political will. This is why getting involved in your local politics and your communities, just just on your city level, is important. To understand the inner workings of how your city operates and understanding the things that are wrong within your community and how progressivism and leftism is impacting your community because... (laughs) If, if you don't get, in other words, if you don't take an active interest in your politics, it's going to take an active interest in you. And it's going to have consequences. Derek Chauvin will not be the last officer to go down for something like this. He will not be, if you believe he was treated unfairly, he will not be the only officer that is going to be treated unfairly by the media and by the woke mob. He won't be. His life is fundamentally ruined. His badge and gun were taken away. Again, I believe they should have been. Do I believe he should have 22 and a half years? No, I don't. Do I believe he should have some jail time? Yes, I do. I can't really say what that looks like because, again, I wasn't in the room. I I, I didn't see what the jury saw. I don't even know if I would have convicted him. But if we don't take an active interest in these things and we don't take an active interest in trying to make some fundamental changes to protect our communities and to protect our interests within the community in such a way that we are not infringing upon other people's rights and that we aren't holding our political will over their heads... We will, we will continue to be 
a nation of political will, and we will continue to be local communities that just are seeking control over the other. And that's that's what I want to see stop, is I want to see freedom, well, liberty to be exact, because morality plus liberty, or plus freedom equals liberty. Um, and I want to see that play out. I want to see true justice play out in cases like this, because there are a lot of people that probably should be in jail that aren't. And justice hasn't been served. And I want true justice to be served. I want the truth to come out. And I don't know that's what happened here in the Derek Chauvin case or in the case of George Floyd. You listen to the Pat Ernie Show. I will be right back with the Mrs. Pat recipe right after this. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them, and I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org, m25m.org. After a long, hard night, I am exhausted. I need something that will stimulate me. That's why I start each day with Ron's sexual chocolate. It really gets me off to work. Find the flavor that stimulates you and gets you off to work at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right call because the best prices are not online they're with smartfares see smartfares has special deals with the airlines when they have unsold seats they use smartfares to fill them so you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices our prices are too low to publish online with the extra money you'll save you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 855-325-1820. 855-325-1820. That's 855-325-1820. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them, and I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org, m25m.org. Welcome back to the Pat O'Neill Show right here on Mojo Five O. Please follow me over on Twitter at the Pat O'Neill Show. Use the hashtag Stand with Mrs. Pat. Also the hashtag What I Learned Today. Uh, you can also find me over on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and Parlor when Parlor works. Um, I'm not really a big fan of Parlor at the moment because I can't use it on my phone. I can use it on my computer, sort of, but I can't use it on my phone. So I'm about ready to give up on Parler, if I'm being honest. 
Um, if they can't get it fixed for, for Androids in you know somewhat the near future, I may look into an alternative platform to replace Parler, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens um, because it's just I don't really like using Facebook and Twitter a ton anymore just because of you know all the censorship and BS and whatnot. Um, so I am uh, looking at possibly maybe joining another alternative like Gab or something like that. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but if you don't get enough of me, by the way, you can also tune in to Mojo Five O every Monday through Friday from five to six p.m. Eastern um, to Critical Thinking with Andrew Coppins. I am the co-host of Critical Thinking, um, and so you can find me over there. You can also find us over on the locals by going to criticalthinking.locals.com. And if you want to subscribe, which I highly recommend that you do, just go to criticalthinking.locals.com backslash subscribe. And it's only five bucks a month. It's that simple. We've got some cool stuff that we're working on that we should have rolled out right around the time of our one year anniversary of that show, uh, which is about another week, week and a half or so. Um, So we will hopefully be announcing some stuff here soon. We've already kind of announced a few things. Um, We do a book club over there. Um, and uh, we just finished up Matt Kibbe's Don't Hurt People and Don't Take Their Stuff, a Libertarian Manifesto. You can go check that out over on the Locals channel. It's exclusive over there. You have to be a subscriber. Um, it is not on the Mojo Five O network. Um, so you can go and check that out um, and, and just become a subscriber. And then also share. Uh, tell people about critical thinking. Tell people about the Patterny Show. Tell people about us. Tell us. Tell them about Mojo Five O because that's how we grow. That is how we get our our message and the principles and the values, and and getting it was by getting people to listen um, to this network. Um, and frankly, we're entertaining. Um, you know, like I said, we, I had mentioned some shows earlier that I think are great. The Rance of Vizio with, uh, with Dominic Gizzo, um, and then, uh, Room 13, uh, with the Riverfish and Rocky. Of course, you got the Daily Mojo and stuff like that too. Um, there, there's lots of great shows on this network that are fun and entertaining. Um, so they are worth looking into and worth telling people about. So, um, just go to mojo50.com and then just share, share, tell people about it because, this is how we grow. This is how we change the world. This is how we get America back on track by talking about and instilling true American principles and values in people um, that that we have long forgotten. And uh, if you were listening at the uh, top of the hour, I was talking about how we are a nation of political will. We always and we always have been. And if anything, uh, the trial of Derek Chauvin and the uh, George Floyd incident has been nothing more than showing us political will, specifically within the Minneapolis area. But I would even argue because it is you know something that the nation and in many ways the world has been watching that. There were outside influences at play that that impacted the outcome of this trial. And so I question, was justice done? Or was this all just about political will? And it looks like political will. 
So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And you can tweet them at me. You can find me over on MeWe, Facebook. Uh, chat me your thoughts. Um, and I, I would love to hear what you have to say about it. But it is time for a new Mrs. Pat recipe. And this week, and I know I've been horrible about getting these up on my Instagram feed because, well, I just suck at social media personally. But uh, it, it's it's... I will get last week's up, and I will get this this week's up on on my Instagram page, and for for you all to see. Um, but this week's recipe, as many of you know, I got a camp chef about a month or so ago, and I've been trying different things. And one of the cool things that you can try on the camp chef that uh, Mrs. Pat and I wanted to try is homemade pizza. And so this week's recipe is homemade pizza, and it's actually a pretty simple recipe. Um, it's all it really does is involve some low fat Greek yogurt, um, some flour, some salt, some baking powder, and you know mixing that all together to make your dough. And it's really really simple to make, really simple. Um, get all that flattened out, and then you go and you throw that on. You go throw the 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 dough on the grill once you get it all flattened out in the way that you want it. Um, and you get your grill hook. Um, preheated to 400 degrees um, and you cook the dough on one side for just two to three minutes once that happens you'll flip it and then you'll start putting your toppings on now we took the the dough off the grill at this point just so you know because we hadn't done this before we wanted to try it and uh, we, we wanted to make sure we didn't burn the dough because on on the the cook side so far it had a nice, you know, like the lines from the grate and everything on it and had like just like a nice, like light brown color to it. And it was already starting to kind of crisp up and, and it was good. Um, so then what you do is you on that on that cook side, you put all your toppings, your cheese, your sauce, your pepperoni. Um, Mrs. Pat did onions on hers. I just did a traditional pepperoni pizza. Um I normally I like to put maybe like a little bit of jalapeno and stuff on it, um, but I didn't have any. Um, also, banana peppers are really good for that too. Um, maybe even sometimes like like uh, some Italian sausage or some bacon. Mm. I think that would have been really good too, actually. But uh, you know, you put you put your so you put your toppings on and then you put it back on the grill. Um, and the recipe called for twelve to fifteen minutes. What a liar they turned out to be. Um, because when I, 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 I let it go for 12 minutes. And generally speaking, when you're cooking with a, a, like a camp chef or a Traeger, any kind of smoker for that matter, um, you don't want to op- open your grill too often because then it lets out all that heat. And then you lose a lot of heat, then your grill's got to warm back up to the, the, the set temperature that you have it at. So I don't like to open it too often when I'm cooking stuff unless I absolutely have to. Well, I let it go for 12 minutes. I'm here to tell you that 12 minutes is a little too long. As the bottom of our pizzas were a little um, charred, a little burnt. Um, they still actually ended up being pretty good, and but they would have been better... Um, without having the charring or, or the burntness to it. It would have been just good if it was just nice and just had that nice crisp to it. Um, it would have been it would have been great. 
Um, it would probably would have been some of the best homemade pizza I ever had, had it not been for that. So I would say it's probably more like once you once you put it back on with all your toppings, it's probably more like five to seven minutes, depending on how you like your pizza. If you like it a little bit more crisp, you'll want to let it go a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I would say maybe five to seven minutes, not 12 to 15 like the recipe called. The other thing you can do as well, and I think this will actually give your crust a really good flavoring, um, is just get you some butter and some garlic spread, melt your butter, throw in, stir in the garlic spread, and then um, before you put the, the crust on, or back on the grill, I should say, because you want to cook it first a little bit. Once you put it back on the grill, you want to lather that up in um, that garlic butter. It'll give you your crust a nice garlic buttery flavor to it. And um, it that's really good. I, I prefer that as well. So um, that is something I would also recommend in this case. But let me know what you think. I, I'll put up the recipe, hopefully. <laughs> I got to set reminders for me for these things because I usually forget. Um, but I will do so. Um, so just be on the lookout on my Instagram page. Um, I put them up on my Instagram page, but then I also do share them to my other channels as well. Um, so you can check the, that out. I usually put a link there to my Instagram page so that you can see it. Um, but aside from me having some some burnt crust, the pizza's actually turned out really well. Um, it, Like I said, probably would have been some of the best homemade pizza I've ever had. So, but if you have other recipe ideas, things that you want to to see us try, um, we are o- open in all ears, especially since we're always looking for new things to try, especially since we count macros in our diet and stuff like that. Uh, we, we are always on the outlook for these things. Um, so tweet them at me. Use the hashtag stand with Mrs. Pat. Um, if you actually make our recipes, some of you have actually uh, have tried our recipes before. Um if you want to try them and then send us pictures, we love that too. I've shown them to Mrs. Pat in the past, and uh, it, it makes her day. It makes her day to know that uh, other people enjoy her recipes and her ideas um, as well. So um, there's your Mrs. Pat recipe for the week. Okay, so enough about the whole George Floyd thing. Um, we'll see what happens in the in the coming days. I, I would if I were him. I, I, I might try to appeal if I'm Derek Chauvin. And I, again, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think most people, most lawyers would um, advise him to do that in this case. Um, if, he, if he can appeal anyway, and he should be able to. Um, if he can appeal, I, I would. If I, were, if I were in his shoes, I absolutely would. Um, and, and see what happens. Um but I don't know that an appeal is going to change much at this point because, as I said, we are a nation of political will. And if political will was able to influence this local trial, um, it's certainly going to have an impact if it goes to an appeals court or a federal court of any kind um, in the future. So uh, looks like Derek Chauvin is going to be going away for the time being um, for a very, very long time. Whether he likes it or not, whether it was just or not, that's what's going to happen. But I came across another interesting idea, something that that we've talked around, but we haven't really, I haven't really talked about in terms of the p- 
politics, if you will, um, is has Trump redefined conservatism? I mm, so there's an article in 538 that says he has. I don't know that I agree. And the reason why I'm saying that I don't know that I agree is did he really change conservatism? Did he really redefine it? Or did he just strike a chord with conservatives, play at the things that they really wanted, and expose that more? Because if that's the case... Because I think I think a lot of things that Donald Trump did, like like immigration, building a wall, um, you know, the economy, getting jobs back to Americans, I, I think he did a, a really good job at playing to those strengths and playing to those narratives because that's something that conservatives tend to care a lot about, and they've elected politician after politician after politician that says they're going to do X, Y, and Z in regards to those issues, and then they don't deliver. So is it really redefining conservatism or is he just kind of getting them more exposure in terms of what their ideology already was? Maybe he's redefined it to some degree. Um, I I certainly think that there are um, otherwise politicians within the GOP that were not necessarily for Trump in 2016 that are now. And there were also those that weren't for him in 2016 that are more for Joe Biden than they are for, than they ever were for for Donald Trump, because for whatever reason they felt it was politically expedient for them. Yeah, um, no, it it really wasn't. Um, but 538 came across or did a poll, or I should say they. They, they, they did a poll on redefining on what it means to be conservative. And, and what they did is they did ideology scores um, to 100. And they found that 14 senators and other high-profile political figures uh, based on activity and responses in April of 2021. And what they're doing is basically basing this off of their support or their similarities to Donald Trump. And everyone that they had ahead of Donald Trump was, number one, I think is obvious, it's Ron DeSantis. And you had Tom Cotton, Tommy Tupperville, Josh Hawley, Mike Pence, Rick Scott, Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, uh, Mitch McConnell, which I don't know how that happens, Rand Paul, and then Donald Trump. So they're saying Mitch McConnell is more conservative than Donald Trump. I don't know if that's true. I actually think that's not quite... I don't think Donald Trump is more conservative than Mitch McConnell or less conservative. I think they're probably closer to the same than they are different. Now, according to their ideology scores, they, they have about the same score. So I guess that makes sense. I just don't know that I would put Mitch McConnell above Donald Trump at this point. Um, the rest of them make sense. Now, when I think of conservative, if I were to put conservative and a face next to um, a, a politician of today that represents conservatism, 
I might put Rand Paul there. I think I think that's good. I might put. I definitely would put um, Mike Lee there. Um, maybe Ted Cruz. Um, you know, uh, but Lindsey Graham. Eh. Until until Donald Trump became president, I don't know that Lindsey Graham was all that conservative. I think Lindsey Graham is just really good at playing the political scene and what is politically popular, and he's really good at playing on those things. I don't know if that's actually true. Ron DeSantis? I think Ron DeSantis is conservative. Is he more conservative than Donald Trump? Probably. Um, is he number one? Mm, I... I tend to disagree. I mean, he certainly would be up there. I think he would definitely be in the top five. Tommy Tupperville, to me, is also unproven because he's recently elected. Um, so I, I don't I don't know on those ones. Um, I, I for me, I think Mike Lee, like well, again, when I think of conservative, Mike Lee is usually number one. Now, granted, a little biased, and I'm willing to say that I'm a little biased because he is my senator. Um, I also have to claim the other guy, um, uh, Mittens Romney, um, which, by the way, they had him way, way down the list. Um, But in last place, funny enough, in last place, they had Kamala Harris at a zero. And she's the only one to have a zero. Um, So Kamala Harris is way, way down there. But did Donald Trump, coming back to the question, did Donald Trump redefine conservatism? I I personally don't think so. Um, Now, as someone that has a degree in political science, I don't know that I would necessarily call myself a political scientist, but I have a degree in it. Um. Ideology and party are not the same thing. I absolutely believe that. Um, Conservatism and party aren't always the same thing, especially in today's GOP. Um, Case in point, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, you know, guys like that. They don't don't necessarily vote in line with their party all the time in terms of what is or isn't conservative. I mean, look at the, uh, the, the spending bill. That just happened the other day, and Biden had bipartisan support on. It was $953 billion. I can pretty well guarantee you, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, guys like that all voted no. Because that's the conservative thing to do. But 538 does make a great point here that I, I tend to agree with that I think would be worth mentioning says, and yet, our measure of ideology among political activists suggests it's even trickier than we think. We know that the Republican Party is changing. Longtime conservatives like Romney and Cheney say that the party has abandoned conservatives, conservative principles and that they're holding out hope the GOP will return to them. Our research suggests another possibility, though. Conservative principles themselves are changing. 
The civil war in the Republican Party, to the extent there is one, isn't between conservatism and some form of populism. Instead, it's between the old view of conservatism and the new one. That suggests a very different future for the Republican Party, one in which reactions to Trump influence who is thought of as conservative more than views on taxing taxes or spending. That is 100% accurate in this case. If I were to look at the future of elections, is not necessarily being in support of Trump, but being Trump-like, in other words, having similar ideology and policy and things like that to a Donald Trump type character is what is going to be defined as conservative. Anything that was pre Donald Trump is no longer considered conservative. Where I disagree with this though, is that what Donald Trump has done is that he's exposed what conservative is and always has been or what the ideology has always wanted to be. But he's also exposed those who claim to be conservative and aren't really. They might be considered more moderate to maybe right-leaning. They might be more moderate to left-leaning even. But they certainly are not conservative. Um. Like, for example, John Kasich, not conservative. Um, you can't, uh, you can't uh, claim to cut your budget or cut your spending and also increase spending in other areas. That's not conservative. You also can't claim to be conservative and, well, uh, back Joe Biden or back Barack Obama or back the, the socialist leftist propaganda that we've been fed for this last year in terms of coronavirus or take your pick on the issue but you can't you can't adopt the term conservative and be like huh i want free health care and i want government to take care of me that's not a conservative ideology so do i think that he has changed conservatism or redefine conservatism, I should say? No. Now, does that mean that Donald Trump's brand is right and that that's the brand that we should be following? Also, no. Is the idea that he's exposed conservatism for what it what it should be? Yes, I think that 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 is potentially a good thing. And I think it's, potentially a good thing because we're going to see hopefully people that come out of the woodwork that are actually true conservatives running for office. Now I do have questions when it comes to a Ron DeSantis type of candidate because of all the things that he is doing in Florida, while I agree with a lot of it, I don't know that I necessarily agree with the how. Because again, it, if I go back to my political will argument, this is just another example. Him signing into law of teaching the evils of communism and all of that fun stuff, while I agree that these things should be taught, should it come from government? Should it come from someone like Ron DeSantis? 
Um, I don't know. I don't know that that's the right role of government in this case. I agree in principle that, that these things are bad, that the communism is bad, but should government be the ones responsible for that? And I could see the argument going both ways because, well, who's going to stop these progressive teachers from teaching bad stuff like critical race theory? Who's going to make sure that our kids and future generations are being taught the right stuff in school and that the teachers aren't just going to omit these things? Because if they have to omit critical race theory, if they can't teach critical race theory, what makes you think that they're going to teach communism is bad? Who is going to ensure those things? It just seems the other way around. We're getting rid of bad leftist ideology by using tactics and stuff that, that the leftists have used over the years that we don't like. But yet, when someone on the right does it, does that make it okay, even if it is the actual right moral thing to do? It's a terrific question. So I don't know that he is the right person in this case. I don't know. I, I do like what he's done. I like how he presents himself. I think a Ron DeSantis type of, of character is perhaps what we are going to see in the 2024 election. And, and perhaps we should see. And perhaps a Ron DeSantis type would have the best bet of going up against what's likely to be a President Kamala Harris in the 2024 election with the way things are going in the Biden administration. But but. We'll see. Um, I, I So I do believe that. So I guess the real answer is Trump, Trump and, and, and Trumpism have exposed conservatives for what conservatives have always wanted. What conservatives feel has always been their ideology. I don't think it's so much changed so much as a huge light has been shined on it, and conservatives are actually feeling like, hey, Donald Trump gets me and represents me. I want more politicians like this leading my 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 city, my state, and 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 for me on, on the federal level. So I want more people like this in office. And so I think we're going to see a lot of these kinds of candidates come out of the woodwork. Now, hopefully, they don't turn into someone like, uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Toomey? Um, yeah, Patrick Toomey from, from Pennsylvania, where he ran as a, as a conservative, um, you know, running on anti-taxes, anti-spending hawk, and then and then he beat out long-time uh, Arlen Specter. So, <clears throat> and then, and then, by the way, Fast forward to today, Toomey was one of the um, seven senators um, to vote for the impeachment of Donald Trump in the second go around. So was Toomey ever really conservative? Not long after he was elected, he more or less became that pariah that we all don't like. But I guess then again, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And perhaps that was his problem. But I digress. In any case, we'll see what happens in the next election and see who rises to the occasion. But if we have these conservatives that are rising up, I can guarantee you we're going to have people on the left really rising up too. 
Thanks for listening. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. And no means no. I will see you Monday night with Andrew Coppins on Critical Thinking. See you Monday. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. American corn farmers. A proud and chosen profession inspired through generations. Tested, resilient, and committed to giving back as much as they're growing. Pushing the boundaries of what's possible with every bushel while replenishing every increasingly precious resource, like the reduction of soil loss by 40% with every acre grown. In a world where sustainability matters more than ever, we need all the help we can get. And there's no greater resource than the capable hands of American corn farmers.